happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Guys, coming up on today's show, Kamara Usman's manager has made quite the statement. Charlie Olives wants a piece of Conor McGregor, and I've also got some words of wisdom for Valentina Shevchenko. Now, before we get to all that, I'd like to begin the program by discussing the 205-pound division and its new champion. Daniel Cormier was weighing in on Prohaska, and he had beautiful things to say. He said he's going to be good for a while. He's going to offer stability to the division, which everybody would like. Okay. I'm interested in that comment. I'm, I'm interested in that comment. Now, I want, I want to take it head on. I think, I think Big Daniel's point was just to say something nice about Prohaska, which he succeeded. But I want to really think about what he said. He's going to offer stability to the division. We know what that means, right? You know how to interpret that line. That means he's going to be the champion for a while. You're not going to be play musical chairs. You're going to have the same guy. You're going to have a fixture. This is the guy to come in and beat. Now, it has long been believed that that is what you need from a promotional standpoint. Vince McMahon himself, when he looked to buy the UFC, he was going to buy the UFC and shut them down. He was not going to go into business. And Vince believed you cannot make a star unless you control the outcome. And that the UFC is never going to make it. They're never going to make it in this industry. This is like 2012. Seems like a lifetime ago. It's just before the Fox deal. It's before the ESPN deal. MMA was very different 10 years ago. But Vince believed the UFC could not make it because they're not going to have a sitting champion. They're not going to have what Daniel is saying Prohaska has to offer, which is stability. So I just want to take a closer look at that, right? If Vince says it and it comes from the world of promotion, you should probably file that away. But is it true? We've had enough time go by. Anderson Silva was not a very good draw. He just wasn't. And he had the longest reign of anybody. John Jones was such a poor draw in connection with his skills that he's had to walk away from a championship and leave the division just to try to get fresh parity. Now, these are just two names that came to me. The third name that had longevity went on to be the biggest star in our sport, which was George St. Pierre. But are they comparable? Right? Are they comparable? George was a huge star on his way up. The other guys weren't. The other guys got there. I mean, is the fixture business, is the stability, is that a good thing? Is that what you guys want to see? Because it was the Roy Jones curse. Roy Jones Jr. was the fighter of the 90s. He had a decade to himself. Nobody, including guys fighting in the 90s, including the Mike Tysons and the Evander Holyfields, they all concede it was Roy Jones. And they're right. But Roy never had that mega fight. Roy never got to make mega money. He was too damn good. He was a fixture. He offered stability to a division. Are those good things? That's all I'm asking. Are those good things? Do you guys like that? Do you like to know this guy's here and he's not going anywhere? Because in many other sports, it's wildly helpful. You can get a Dominic Mociano and you can keep her around for an entire cycle. You can do all sorts of media tours. The same thing would go to Dan O'Brien. If you guys will remember the great track athlete. The same thing would go to Carl Lewis. It goes right now to LeBron James. Before LeBron, they found Shaq or they found Kobe or you take it back to Jordan. Like, they will identify somebody. Hollywood does the same thing with who the funny man is or who the leading action hero is. They will find somebody and they will shove it down your throat to try to find stability. 
I'm just here to ask you, as time has gone by, is that a good thing? Because we don't have that in the UFC. We do not have stability. We have had it on and off very lightly. I mean, even when Anderson did it and it was a record, it was 12 in a row. In all fairness, 12 ain't a big number of anything. I don't care if you had 12 eggs for breakfast, right? I, I don't look at you and go, you said some kind of... I mean, 12 is just not all that big of a number. Can we at least agree on that? And that was the most ever. That was the run. So what example would you use? And, and why is it this way? Why is what Vince McMahon believed you have to have to create a stars when he's in the business of purely scripting and writing stars? It would seem as though nobody would be more correct than Vince. And Daniel's saying it as though this is a good thing. And I'm just offering with what evidence do we have? What evidence do we have that a sitting champion that can go out there and defend more than other champions, more than your typical champion, can put a big shelf life together? Because I'm offering you two. I offered you Anderson and I offered you Jones. And they fought in front of people dressed up as empty seats. So what is it about the stability that you like? And moreover, once I convince you that you don't actually like it, what about it do you not like? How come this ended up working? How come the experiment and the one ingredient that Vince McMahon, the master promoter, right? A guy who takes a fake product, draws an emotion, gets you to cry in tears because you didn't get your way, and you buy a t-shirt on your way out the door before coming back next Saturday and do it all over again. The one ingredient that he thought that we needed, stability, a champion that stayed there what every other sport will search to make sure they identify their Wayne Gretzky of the time. How come we don't have that in MMA, but we are the fastest growing sport in the world? We sold and had a valuation of higher than any franchise on earth, which includes the New York Yankees. How come? Do the two go together? That's all I'm asking. I don't actually know the answer to this, guys. I don't know the answer at all. It was a very interesting comment when Daniel said it. It's interesting to me when Daniel gives comments like that. When Daniel will watch Surreal Gone and Francis Ngannou and then praise them, or when Daniel will watch Prohaska and Glover and then praise them. I appreciate it because I'm convinced if the big guy takes the tie off and gets in the ring, he's still the world champion. I ain't seen a guy yet at heavyweight or at 205 that could beat Daniel Cormier. Right now, I'm not going to go give him a training camp. I'm talking about he gets in there right now, he leaves with your belt. That's what I think. That's what I think. But he doesn't, and he wants to give the praise in his direction, and he doesn't think the Prohaska's going anywhere for a while. Now, is that what you guys saw? Uh, Prohaska has an interesting look. That's true. He does. He's got, with, with the hair comes out and the point, he has an interesting look, and I support a gimmick. With my dying breath, I support a gimmick, something that separates you and makes you of interest. If you took that haircut away, was there anything there that you saw that you didn't see in the 10 other fights that night or any other fight that you've ever seen. I mean, in all fairness, I'm not giving him a hard time. He, I think Prohaska can handle what Chael's saying now that he is recognized as the baddest man in the world. I think he can handle me to come out and ask a question that you were fighting a 42-year-old. You were a three-to-one favorite by anybody that had any money to part, and you were 30 seconds away from getting beat. Like, what, what about that is Daniel seeing that he thinks is a skill that sets him apart? Are any of us refuting if Daddy returned the division? I'm talking about John Jones. Are any of us refuting that we're not even having this discussion? Is Daniel complimenting Prohaska, or did he just reveal the entire division? I'm only asking these questions. I'm only asking the questions. I was never in a division where I would let a 42-year-old whip my ass. 
or have the ratings or have the rankings or have a belt while I was sitting there. That's a true story. That never happened to me, but that would not have happened to me. And what is Prohaska, 29? Well, I was 29 years old. There wasn't a 42-year-old walking God's earth. But he did that night and he walked all over you. And he was 30 seconds from getting his hand raised. Oh, and by the way, he says that he had a poor performance and was vomiting less than 24 hours before. I mean, I'm just looking going, is it, is it true? Prohaska looks like an interesting guy to me. He's damn sure a problem. He's very much a very good fighter. But what is it that you saw that is going to stay on top? He's going to offer stability. He was 30 seconds from not even being on top of this mountain to start with. I think that there are interesting questions by me. If you go watch Prohaska fight and you go got Rach, Rachik fight and you come and you tell me you think Prohaska is going to fight, uh, beat Rachik, I, I, don't, I don't think you're telling the truth. I don't think you were being fair. Prohaska versus Dominic Reyes is one you might want to go back and rewatch. Dominic is as good of a tool five pounder as there's ever been. But if you go and rewatch that fight and you take everything but the ending sequence out, I think you might come to a different conclusion. And you're going to realize this is an unorthodox guy who's got pretty good reach and pretty good size and damn good power. And then what do we learn about him in the Glover fight? It wasn't that he had submission skills or even that he needs to work on his wrestling. It really wasn't. What we learned about him was the positive that he can go 25 minutes and he can go hard. He is a competitor. So that's, inc that's incredible news about Prohaska. I'm not at all trying to make... But I am wondering, what is it that you saw within a stability? You think that somebody's going to grab the belt and then stay there at 205. Are you putting down the entire rest of the division, or are you complimenting a guy who was getting beat up by a 42-year-old to start with? If you took the weird haircut away, is there anything that you saw within that fight that stands out and that you believe makes that athlete different? That's a tough question by me, and it sounds very critical but I have a feeling you're not going to be able to answer it. So with all this conversation around 205 pounds, there's one prominent MMA manager out there who says that one of his fighters could challenge for the light heavyweight strap. Ali Abdelaziz, manager to the stars, came out and he was tweeting, and he was just talking about Kamar Usman, the GOAT. The current pound-for-pound, pound, unanimously selected, greatest fire currently active. Now, Ali was talking about Kamara going to 205 pounds, and this is not the first time that Ali and Usman have talked about Usman going to 205 pounds. Ali said, I just rewatched it. Great fighters, but Kamara will beat Glover. Kamara will beat Yuri. Kamara could beat Blahovitz. I know what you guys are thinking. I, I get it. So it's silly. Why bring it up? He's not going to do it. Well, strange things do happen. I mean, in all fairness, I think that a cage fighter on a daily basis does something that would be very hard for you to believe. I mean, a cage fighter that sacrifices and goes into practice in the, in the spirit of a good time to get punched and kicked for two hours a day every single day. By the way, sitting in the sauna for 30 minutes completely dehydrated and eating some diet of food that doesn't even taste good. I mean, in all fairness, I think that a fighter on a daily basis does things that you would find hard to believe. To be given the opportunity to be champ champ is very rare. Over history, I think we've done it, is it four times, guys? It really doesn't matter. My, my point would be there could have been 10 athletes that could have done it. They weren't given the opportunity. The same thing goes with being champion. 
We know who the champion is, and we know who fought for championships, but we know who the champion should have been. No, without a competitive architecture, of, of course we don't. So let's just speak to opportunity, because this is very different. Ali does not waste words, ever. And it's very interesting that Ali has circled back to a topic that was here two months ago, that was Kamar Usman going to 205 pounds. Now, that in and of itself is interesting to me. Why not 185? Why not 155? That's the way this has always been done. They're talking about him skipping a weight class and going up two. That's fascinating to me. Right? If this was just silly conjecture and we were throwing it out, I, I'm with you. But the mere fact that they've circled back and all even broke it down, he went right back and watched the fights. He talked about strategies. He talked about how Usman would do it. And Usman is also talking about going to 205, never 185. I think that's a respect to Adesanya. And I don't know that respect is being shown by Ali as much as it's just Kamar. I think Ali's like, hey, look, that's a great match. Maybe we should consider doing it. And Kamar's going, no. Three kings, real deal. Me, Adesanya, Francis Ngano, I'm not stepping in the way. I think, I think that's why we're going to 205 pounds. Either way, it is very interesting. A 70-pounder up two weight classes. Like, that is some parody in matchmaking that we've never done before. And you might tell me that Kamara's too small, but if I tell you he's fighting Prohaska next Saturday, you are not betting huge money on Prohaska. You would probably lean Prohaska. You would probably say, I think, Prohaska. You're not going to be big and strong on that. That's not going to be 5-1. to one. That ain't even going to be 4-1. to one. That's a really interesting match. It really is. Now, what is the likelihood of Dana ever allowing somebody to skip over 85 and go to 205? Well, I would put it at slim to none. But Kamar Usman is in a very different spot. Dana White coined a phrase, lap the division. I've been following sports my entire life. I've never heard that term. That term came around for Kamar Usman who's beat a whole division, and he's now doing it a second time over. Lapped a division. It's true. What do you want to do with him? He would absolutely be eligible to change weight classes and go for champ champ status. If anybody has ever been eligible in the history of ever, of course it would be Usman, who's already beaten absolutely everybody, and he's starting to do it for a second time. Of course it would be. But we're not talking about him going up a weight class. We're not talking about him going down a weight class. We're talking about him going up two weight classes. It's a very different proposition, right? It's a very interesting thing. He's going to have massive speed. I mean, you can get the X's and O's and you can start to have funny, and you can even just tell me, hey, Chael, it's too big and he's not going to go there. Kamara Usman soaking wet doesn't weigh 205. But neither did Frank Shamrock. I mean, right, I mean, there, there are guys that do a little bit better going up. Neither did Israel Adesanya. And he went and competed within the division. Anderson Silva, I'm not positive, has lost within that division. Don't go out and correct me. But I'm sure he didn't weigh 205 pounds soaking wet. Like, there is something that favors a little bit smaller guy. That would be an interesting match is all that I'm sharing for you. I think if we were to get there, if we were to be real serious and we were to get there, Kamara is going to have to vacate 170 pounds, which not for nothing is a very interesting proposition. Adesanya walking away from that belt is interesting. It would make that whole division a lot, right? It's going to change things. You are not likely to become champion of the world if you are signed to the roster right now until Kamara Usman retires or he leaves. You are just not likely to beat him anytime soon. It's true. Not to mention most of his hardest work is already in his rearview mirror. 
the top guys that are supposed to be challenging Kamar Usman, he's not only been in the ring with, he's been in the ring with twice. It's pretty straightforward how these are going to go. Aside from hook or crook. Aside from something strange or supernatural happening. So Kamar Usman at 205 pounds, I'm just saying, with I would be interested in that. And there's some reason they keep banging this drum. Ali does not waste breath, ever. And he keeps talking about his client at 205 pounds. And he keeps talking about him in world title fights. He keeps talking about him with the absolute best guys. Are they thinking about walking away from 170 and they're going to leave Adesanya alone and they're going to go to 205? Quite possibly. Are they talking about trying to convince Dana to do a one-off and let it be a champion two weight classes up? That is going to be a waste of time. I am quite sure that Dana's not going to let them do it. However, however, <laughs> right? Dana's going to be pretty respectful of a guy who's beaten everybody in the division. Oh, by the way, he's beat him twice over. We're close here, guys. Nothing that I just said is there. We haven't solved this, but there's something there. And I want to bring it to your attention. Ali is not bringing this up for his second time for no reason. That I can tell you. What is his reason? What does he know that we don't? What, what's the rest of the plan that he's going to seep out very slowly? I don't know, but it exists. I can tell you that much. It exists. Kamar Usman, 205 pounds. Kamar Usman versus uh, Yuri Prohaska. Don't just tell me he's too small. You guys tried that with Floyd versus Connor. You tried telling me who's who's too small many times. You tried telling me that with George St. Pierre against Michael Bisping. Tried met many times to tell me that a guy can't go up in weight. It's always the opposite. Guy can't always go down. A guy can always go up. Can he go up two weight classes? That has never been tested. Now, going back to UFC 275, one of the biggest stories to come from the night was the bullet nearly losing her belt to Santos. And after that fight, I've got some ideas for Valentina and how she could handle herself moving forward. Oh, I'll tell you, there is some done sons of bitches over there at BJPenn.com. And I don't mean with the staff. I love the staff. BJPenn.com is very helpful to me. And I try to be the same to them. They do a great job of grabbing a lot of my clips and making them headlines, which I will tell you, if you're in the business of making clips, there's no compliment that you can get bigger than having a big publication like BJPenn.com pick up your story and post it. This is what we call share. They share so that I make sure I come to you guys and I share the address of BJPenn.com, right? It's, it's one of these transactional things. But they did it for me yesterday. They did it on a piece that I did on Valentin Shevchenko. My piece is, why is she so unlikable? Why do you guys not like her? Now, I was very careful with my words to make it clear that I'm not proclaiming her unlikable and I'm not proclaiming that I don't like her. It's beyond a poll where we can raise our hands and you either try to be the jerk in the room or you try to be the nice guy in the room. The evidence is in front of us. She is the greatest champion the UFC has ever had. Now, there are people equal to her. You could put Amanda in there. You could put St. Pierre in there. You could put equals. You can't tell me anybody that's better. You just can't. That's how good and that's how dominant she is. Up until last Saturday, she has only lost one round in her entire championship run. Are you guys aware of that? 
Are you aware of what I just said? She's been champion for more years than I can keep track of. It's roughly four. I know I'm real close on that. She's only lost one round. Not even close to losing fights. She's not losing sequences. She's not losing scenarios. She's not losing moments. She lost one round. Somebody took her down and was able to hold her there for a little bit. That is as dominant as anybody that has ever done this sport. She fought on Saturday in what was the most unanticipated pay-per-view of the year. I realize it turned out to be the best. I'm talking about the anticipation by the audience ahead of time. And she was not the main event. So this is not a debate. This is not a maybe. This is a for sure, she's not over with you guys. And my question is, why? Now, what I attempted to help to do, as only I had the smarts to attempt to do, was to put her in a category of potentially being a heel, because face isn't working. This is not a maybe. This is not an OGL. I sure do like her. How can you say that? She's the co-main event, guys. It, it's over. It's established. If you've been the champion for four years and you've only lost one round and you're still jerking the curtain for anybody, you're not over. It's a reality. The question becomes why? And she's been on the side of face, trying to say nice things, trying to say sweet things, never using profanity, throwing a little dance at the end. It didn't work. Now, there's only one other option, which is heal. So I started that transformation if she wanted to take it. There'd be no reason not to. Even the Hulkster, who sold more tickets with the red and the yellow, eventually switched to the black and white just to see what would happen, and then he switched back again. There would be no reason to not try it if you want to be in the business of selling tickets, not to mention, what if that's who you really are? John Jones come out talking about Bible verses, and people say, man, you're a phony, you're a scumbag. Come out and be a scumbag. And then he did. He started selling a hell of a lot more tickets. I mean, it's an option, but it was really hard to get John there, too. He wanted to be talking about Fallopians 316 all the time instead of talking about cocaine and hit and runs. It was one of these things, but once you got him there, it turned out to be a hell of a lot more interesting, didn't it? So I opened the door. I opened the door in case Valentina wanted to go through it. And in all fairness to my assessment, it's a proven fact. I, I hate this back and forth about how much you love her. You, you don't. You don't. She's a co-main event of the most un unanticipated card possibly in pay-per-view history. That's, that's the truth, guys, okay? You're not going to elevate her and demand her into a main event on the next one. You have not elevated and demanded a certain opponent that you want to see her take on because it's so coveted and somebody's waiting in the way. This is a reality. This isn't nice, what I'm saying. I'm aware of that, but it's a reality. I'm just trying to address why. I would hypothesize for you, as I did and BJ Penn covered for me, that if she has been in the organization for as many years and as vulnerable and as hard of moments as she has been caught on camera in and has never had a bad moment, I would hypothesize for you that perhaps it's because she's insincere. I do not believe that any human being could be caught in as hard of a moment as a weigh-in is, in as hard intense of a moment as a press conference, as hard intense of a moment as a face-off, as as hard intense of a moment as a cage fight, half-dressed, in a steel cage in front of the world, and never have a bad moment unless they're being insincere. And if you, the audience, sees through that, you're not going to latch on to it. It was a guess. But it also opened a door.
I don't think any of us are going to predict that she's going to step through it. It's very hard to be a heel. It's very, people want to make the big money and people want to be famous and people will even understand infamous Trump's famous every day of the week, but they can't take the booze. I don't suspect for you that's the direction she's going to want to go, but I helped to open a door, which was very gracious of me. It really was. The dumb sons of bitches at BJPenn.com decided to leave comments. Now, I did my best to read these to you guys. I did my best and I had my glasses and I, I was, I was going to read you these comments. These, these, these were great, but seven of the 10 comments called me a clown. That's interesting. I mean, clowns are designed to be fun, right? Like children love clowns. You have to pay to see a clown. You don't just walk down the street and there's a clown. You have to hire the clown. This is like a sought after guy that makes you all feel better. So I was a little confused with the insult because I'm quite sure that it was an insult. But seven of them had it. I've never been called a clown in my life. On top of that, I've never called somebody a clown. On top of that, I've never seen in person. People don't call each other clowns. So that means I've got the same weirdo from Valentina's team that happened to see the piece that set up seven different email accounts just so they could leave seven different comments, but then left a digital thumbprint by using a word that nobody uses of clown. If you're Team Valentina and you see what I'm saying, there's no refuting this. She is not over with the audience, period. You will never match any fighter to her in terms of record or success or longevity that is still jerking the curtain. You simply won't do it. So the audience has decided, do you want to do something to manipulate the audience? The audience is giving you a middle finger. Does that feel better than having a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of headlines and you can close out the night, but you got to hear the word boo? Would you rather have a silent middle finger of people shutting a door, deciding your fight's the one that they take the bathroom break, your fight's the one that they head to the concession stand? Would you rather have that but feel good because you didn't have to hear boo? Or would you rather see what's happening if you're so damn smart and speak so many different languages and you're so damn good at everything, how come you're not good at this? How come you're not good? You can draw blood from somebody, but you can't draw an emotion? I'm supposed to look at you and think that you're more intelligent than me because you can say something seven different ways, but I'll get an emotion and I don't give a goddamn what language I do it in? I will close out the night? I can't remember the last time I had to jerk the curtain for somebody. And this will surprise you, but I was never the champion of the world. Did you know that? I was never the world champion, and I never jerked the curtain for anybody. So when I open a door for somebody to go through to go heal, which they might be anyway, they might be a heel anyway, they don't get to come back to me and be irritated because I'm the one that told the truth. Every single night that you fight in an unanticipated match that you've put your heart and soul into and you can't get anybody to give a goddamn, they are giving you a middle finger. That's not nice. That's not nice. But you can do that in silence or you can loudly and honestly get them to eject by booing you if you're tough enough and smart enough to take it. suffer from poor sleep, low energy, high stress, magnesium deficiency might be the root of your issue. And folks at BioOptimizers have a solution. They just released their new and improved formula 
for Magnesium Breakthrough, the most powerful magnesium supplement on the market today. Their new updated formula of Magnesium Breakthrough is now even more potent and effective for reducing stress, improving sleep, and boosting energy levels. If you've already taken Magnesium Breakthrough, you're going to want to try this new fourth generation formula as soon as you can because it now includes cofactors like B6 and manganese, which will help with the absorption of magnesium. And if you've never tried Magnesium Breakthrough before, now is the perfect time to try it and here's why. In every bottle of Magnesium Breakthrough, you're going to get seven unique forms of organic, full-spectrum magnesium, which can dramatically improve your health. It can help you sleep longer and deeper, reduce stress levels, and help you feel calm, and give you abundant, all-day energy to win at life. And because it supports mental wellness, Magnesium Breakthrough can help you finally feel like yourself again. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed and you will be amazed by the improvements in your mood and energy levels and just how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners only, go to magbreakthrough.com slash Use the promo code CHAIL at checkout. That's going to save you 10% and get you free shipping. Oh, and one last thing. If you want your loved ones to be healthier, consider giving them the gift of Magnesium Breakthrough for Father's Day or even for a spring birthday. Again, that special link is magbreakthrough.com slash chael. Use the promo code chael at checkout to save 10% and get free shipping. So Charles Oliveira wants to fight Conor McGregor. Now, just yesterday, it came out, Errol Hawani speculated, Conor McGregor might be out until 2023. If we as an industry could operate under that assumption, that would be really good news. For reasons like this, Oliveira came out and said, I want to fight Conor McGregor. And he was talking specifically about Islam. He said, Islam's on a great streak. He hasn't beaten any ranked guys. Haven't beat some ranked guys. I've never ducked a fight. I'm not even ducking him, but I have a daughter. I have a family now, and Conor McGregor would be the best thing for my family. Yes, I'm talking about money. That's where the money's at. Now, this is Oliveira speaking. That was great. That really was great, because he just told the truth. There's nothing wrong. He didn't have to hide behind it or talk about what a great fight it was going to be, or he's doing this for the fans, because this was going to be... He didn't talk about any of those things. He said, I could go make some money. Now, I must tell you, I'm interested in that, because contractually, that isn't true. Oliveira is not the champion... I think that Oliveira forgets that. Now, Oliveira would know more about his contract and his situation than I would. And it would very much appear by the things that Oliveira is saying and the lack of pushback that Oliveira has ever shown to being stripped of that championship it would very much appear that a deal has been reached that is quite simply, we will behave and move forward as though you are the champion. And I only bring that to you because only the champion gets the championship clause, which Oliveira is speaking of, in terms of pay-per-view points. It wouldn't matter if it's a big fight or a small fight. The way his contract works, he's getting a flat fee. Unless a handshake was made. And it must have been done. And I find that wildly interesting. Like, I'm done talking to you guys about Oliveira and him being stripped. I am the only one that had that right. I told you the day before the weigh-ins that it was going to happen. I told you all of the rules within Arizona, of which did not have the authority to strip him, but they didn't. I told you all of the rules within the UFC, of which they did activate. Guys, I got to tell you, it was like screaming into a tunnel full of nobody. 
Nobody seems to care that he's not the champion, but that includes him. I'm over here trying to cover. I'm over here trying to make up for it. I'm over here talking about if you want to push back and you want to test some of these theories, of which have never been tested, they've only been stated, and everybody's gobbled them up. Oliveira doesn't seem to care. So I'm quite sure that just an agreement was made. Hey, let's just pretend you made weight. Let's just pretend you're the champion. That's a little bit of a head-scratcher. And it is worth me bringing up. It really is. Because when I tell you that Oliveira doesn't care that he's not the champion, some of it appears he doesn't even know. He didn't appear to know that day that they were going to take the belt away. I mean, he missed weight. He had two hours to make it. He didn't lose a single ounce. Like There was a part that when I tell you nobody cares, including him, that's a literal statement. And you would think, particularly if you're a prize fighter, as it pertains to your contract and what a big fight is, and why you would give a damn if it's a big fight, based on the things that he's saying, we've reached an agreement, which would just be interesting to me. Okay, we're going to do an agreement. We're not going to go by the rules anyway. Why did we bother to make these? Like, what, what would the point of that be? If we're not going to go by it and you get treated as a champion, even though you're not a champion, why tell the world in the first place he's not a champion? I mean, we can do whatever we want with the belt. Jose Aldo had never fought in the UFC and was the UFC champion. Ronda Rousey had never fought in the UFC, never stepped into the octagon and was the UFC champion. Like, there's things that we can do in Sillyville. It's just a matter of why. Why are we doing them? It's a fair question by me. I pass no judgment. But it is one of two things. Either Oliver has reached this handshake, of which my topic is mute, or Oliver is not aware that he's not in. There is no such thing as a big fight. I hear guys talk about this all the time that aren't in on the pay-per-view. I mean, it used to be a plague of our industry. We went through this era of money fight. Guys would actually use that word. I want the big money fight. I want the big money fight. Do you, do you not know what your contract is? There's no such thing. There's just your next fight. Here's the money and here's your next fight. No, this is the one. This swings the needle. This is what the crowd's interested in. Are you in on the pay-per-view? No, you're not. So what in the hell are you talking about? A money fight. It's one of these weird things. And I, I only bring it to you because I'm not positive that I'm right that a deal was reached. I'm not. I'm not sure that Oliveira understands he's not the champion. He doesn't have that deal. That would be fully his business. I would just make an observation as an outsider that that's interesting. If I'm right and we are going by the letter of the contract, it would be very important that Oliveira win his next fight, become the champion, and then fight Conor McGregor. Not go out there and fight Conor McGregor for the vacated title, of which only McGregor gets to participate in. It's a simple observation, but I'm not sure which way is up over there at Team Oliveira. I mean, I only found out from them that they thought a check scale had to be the same as the official scale and held strong on it. Everybody says, everybody says it's a half a pound off. I only found out after that happened that as a professional athlete, he didn't have the ability to lose a single ounce within two hours. I only found out after it happened that a champion of the world and the highest paid guy on the entire card has a team flying around with him did not bring a calibrated scale. Like everywhere I turn with this guy, I'm getting hit with surprises. So it's a very fair point for me. Okay, did you guys work this out in the back? 
If you worked at the bank, great, that's your business. It's a little bit interesting to me. Why do we possibly have these rules and why are we telling the world that you're not the champion if we're going to act like you are? That's between you all, for sure. But I would find that interesting. Sure, I, of course I would, and so would you. Or moreover, does he not know? Did he not know the day that he weighed in that he was going to be stripped of that championship? Did he not know how those rules work? Did he not know that a check scale is not the same as the official scale? Did he not know that two scales can be different? Did he not know that messing with getting on and off of a scale is the single only thing that decalibrates a scale and you're watching a room full of people doing it over and over, you would have no reasonable belief to think that that scale was accurate? Why did you not have a scale? Why did your manager not have a scale? Why are you the only guy on the card that was paid seven figures and you're the only guy without access to an accurate scale? Like, these are all fair questions by me. Oliver wants to fight McGregor. I thought it was refreshing. I thought it was refreshing that he told the truth. I see guys trying to get McGregor in different ways. And they all do it. Oh, man, I think that could be a really exciting fight. You know, he's got that big power in his left hand, but I deal with order. Then I come out, I dig down to the body, and I think the crowd's really going to enjoy that. They're not, just so you understand. The crowd really doesn't give a goddamn how much his power is or if you can slip outside and get to his body. I mean, like, just so you know, there has never been an X's and O's in the history of the world that has sold. There's been really bad promoters that had nothing else to try to sell. And so they'll turn to the X's and O's. Or you get the really low-hanging fruit promoter that will try to turn to the resume. His record is 29 and 0, and his record is 25 and 1. They got 50 wins between the two of them. I mean, there's times you have to do that when you're out of creativity. And I got to give it to Charles Oliveira. He is the first guy to come out and tell us the truth. McGregor is not the rightful contender. McGregor is the biggest draw. I can make the most money and I can get the most attention for McGregor. I've never turned anybody down. Islam's a perfectly fine argument. He hasn't beaten ranked guys. I think that he should, but fine. If that's the argument you want to make, I'll fight him too. Bring me both of them, but I want McGregor because I want the payday. I appreciate that. I always appreciate the truth. The truth will set you free. We'd sit over here and give him a hard time and say, you're avoiding these guys. And you know, what about Benny? And we, we would go through this whole thing. Or you could just tell us the truth, which is, this is the money fight. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I want the opportunity. I want it right now. Boom. That's what Oliveira said. I hope he gets it. In all fairness to every argument that I've heard to try to get Conor McGregor, you now have a guy who has something to offer to Conor. Red Panty Night is very real. 100%. This has not gone away. So that is what Conor has to offer you. You now have to offer something to Conor. I see gun guys call out Conor all their offerings and men ass whipping. Well, what if Conor takes you at your word? What if he believes you? What if he believes you're going to whip his ass? Why would he sign up for that? It's one of the strangest ways to ever call a guy out. Oh, beat your ass. Well, what if he believes you? I'm not showing up for that. And then you're trying to dupe the audience, right? I mean, that's always a hard one, too. Whenever you think that you're going to pull the wool over the audience's eyes and they're not going to see right through it, they're going to see exactly what you really meant to say, which is just what you didn't say, which is what Oliveira did say. So I don't think I'm the only one that's going to be on Oliveira's side here. If this, in fact, is the weight class that McGregor plans to return to, It'd be very hard to return to a weight class, to go through the weight cut, to go through the training camp, right? Like, one training camp isn't harder than the other. One fight isn't harder than the other. You might be more likely to win, but you're going to give everything that you've got no matter what. So why wouldn't you go after the greatest prize, which is the whole reason you're there in the first place, which is the world championship, unless you're not going to return to that weight class? Then we're having a whole different conversation. But if Connor is going to return to 155 to make believe that he's going to return for anything less than the greatest deal that he can get, the greatest offer that he can get, which appears right now 
Right, you gotta have time, you gotta have things lined up. I don't think that Oliver is going to wait until 2023. I get that there's some moving parts here, but not for nothing, if you have to put your hat in somebody's camp, I'm going with the guy that told the truth. I'm going with Oliveira. Turning our attention to this weekend, we got a couple big fights going down in Austin, Texas tomorrow night. Cater versus Emmett and Cowboy versus Lazan. They deserve our attention. Cowboy versus Lazan is here. They're going to be weighing in in a number of hours, and then they're going to be fighting. How do you guys feel about that? I'm not excited for it at all. I'm not. It, it makes my stomach sick, as a matter of fact. The best news that I got two pay-per-views ago when that one pulled off is that that one was pulled off and wasn't going to happen because it's, it's the end. It's the end of the line. Dana's already said whoever loses, it's loser leave town. The reality is whoever wins should also leave town. It, it likely is going to leave town. I'm not calling for that. I think it's both of their last fights, right? There is nothing that brings me a pleasure about that. You guys at all? Do you want to see it happen? Do you want to see these two fight each other when that's the stakes? Because you, you, right, you throw those stakes on there to make a match much bigger. That is a huge match for a non-pay-per-view. So I think those stakes have succeeded. But did you need that? You guys going to tune in to watch Joe Lazon and Cowboy Cerrone anyway, right? I don't like it. I mean, I got to tell you, I don't. I don't. I don't know if I'm going to watch it, honestly. I don't know if I'm going to watch it. One of these guys is going to say goodbye. Now, you, you do have to understand, unless you're named Lennox Lewis, or unless you're named George St. Pierre, or I guess now we could throw in Zabit Magacharipov. And by the way, did you hear I said Magacharipov? You know how hard it is for me to say names? Magacharipov is one of the only complex names that I have ever mastered, and now he leaves. At any rate, everybody else goes out the same way. Not when you want to. Not on your terms face down, and embarrassed. And usually a little bit of a tear in your eye. And that is just the reality. So there's nothing unusual about this. There is a real celebration of a career, I think for two. I think, I think they're both making their last walk. But a celebration of two careers. But golly, uh, it's easy to say those words. I can't get myself there. I cannot get myself where. The UFC without Joe Lazan and without Cowboy Cerrone, that's a, wow. That's a different thing. It really is. And I think as I look at that card, there's a few things that I do like about this match. First off, I like that it's a co-main. Those guys, if, if you're fighting in what's going to be your last fight, if, if that's predetermined, it should be 15 minutes. For sure. The other side of the coin is neither one is likely to finish the other one just because of how tough they both are. So now you got two of your favorite guys. They're going to go and get bludgeoned. Like this is going to be a mess as they're hugging and saying goodbye to everybody. It's going to be one of those great moments. It's going to be one of those great moments that you're going to want to capture, you're going to want to see, but you're probably going to want to talk about, at least for me, about two months from now. There's going to be something weird about that. 
And Joe Lazon is one of those great stories of the UFC that I, I am not satisfied with the way his story's ever been told. I'm not satisfied that people know the Joe Lazon story, that they're aware of all the wars that he's been in. I'm not satisfied that people have long enough memories or have been with the squirt long enough to go back to the ultimate fighter where Joe Lazon was on Jens Pulver's team and it was Pulver versus Penn and Lazon had had to fight Jens Pulver himself and knocked out Jens, knocked out who went on to be his coach. That's very interesting. Wildly interesting. Not to mention he's got the short hair and the big ears and he's all skinny. I mean, he looked like a little video game nerd, which is what he looks like now, but then can kick everybody's ass in the room. I mean, he's a really interesting character. Joe Liz I'm really not satisfied that Joe, as much love as he gets and as much celebration as he gets, and who gets to go out in a co-main event spot on the Worldwide Leader, right? I mean, this is a guy being shown a whole lot of respect. I'm still not satisfied it's enough. And if you want to look at the leadership within the locker room that's provided by Cowboy Cerrone, you're not going to replace that. Not anytime soon. They don't make him like Cowboy. The closest that we've got to Cowboy is Chemayev. And Chemayev got slid into position purely on accident to be that new marketing arm of anybody, anywhere, anytime, get me out there really quickly. And for whatever reason, the ripcord got pulled on that. I don't know that you've got another Cowboy. I don't know that you could think of one. Someone that you can count on that'll go out there anytime. You don't know. You don't know. Any given night, he'll be the best fighter in the world. Any given night, he'll stop the best fighter in the world. I'm not satisfied. The Cowboy story has been told correctly. If I tell you Cowboy Cerrone, what kind of fighter is he? You all raise your hand and you all say kickboxer, correct? Go back and look at his record. Go back and look at Cowboy's record. Don't even bother watching the fights. Just go to SureDog.com, go to the Fight Finder, bring up his record. Your jaw will drop how many people he has submitted from his back. How many people he has submitted on the ground. It will stun you. You know how hard Mike Perry is to submit? Mike Perry's gone out and done competitive grappling and nobody's submitted him. I mean, I'm just sharing for you, just, just one name that comes off the top of my head, but you're not going to get a fight like this. Then you want to look at the card as a whole. I'll tell you another guy I'm not satisfied is getting his due is Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett is as fun to watch as any fighter has ever been. He's an absolute fire plug. He's a little ball of muscle who never gets tired, and he is a master of range. Everything he throws is right at the end of the punches with maximum power. Josh Emmett is completely awesome, but he went through like an injury, something. He was getting on his run and he broke into the top 10. It was surprising a lot of people, even though he was in the top 10, they didn't want him in the top 10. Like people were really trying to push this guy out of the way. The rest of us are looking at him going, Hey, why, why are you giving Emmett such a hard time? That guy's a stud training out there with alpha male, getting better and better. Seems like a likable guy could do a little bit more work on the, on the microphone out there with the media, his social media, things like that. But who couldn't, who couldn't sharpen that up a little bit? then he's going to be taking on Cater? I mean, come on. These are two boxers. Cater's a street kid from Boston. It is Queensberry rules, whatever Cater fights. That's just the game that Josh Emmett plays. This is a spectacular card. I don't want you guys to miss it. And I don't want to overshadow the main event. That's not the right thing to do, right? This is Cater and Emmett's night. But in all fairness, Cowboy and Lazon, this, this is a very sentimental moment. It's going to be a very hard moment. It's not one that I'm going to celebrate. 
It's not one that I'm, oh, you gotta tune into this because it's both of these guys' this last time. Like, normally that works for me. Cowboys last time, Joe Lazan's last time, man, that's gonna be a hard day for us true fans. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And if you haven't already done so, I suggest you head over to my YouTube channel and click subscribe. I'm off this weekend. Enjoy the fights tomorrow and make sure you're back on Wednesday to hear me talk about it all. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.